0: coming up on the exam room. Just out of curiosity though, going back to that quarter of a teaspoon, how does that compare to what you would get say in a combo meal if you were go to the drive-through and you get like the king size or whatever the biggest combo is these days?
1: Yeah, so a quarter of a teaspoon is going to be less than a gram. And so these burgers at the at, at a restaurant, just one burger and then if you add on fries, but just the burger alone will be over 2 2 grams or 2000 milligrams, which As we may or may not know, the American Heart Association recommends 2300 milligrams a day if you have normal blood pressure, and they recommend 1800 milligrams a day if you have hypertension. So you're in one meal, in one burger, you're going to be popping almost over what you should have in a whole day. So um, a fourth a teaspoon is going to be less than a gram. So you you really won't have to worry unless you had that burger and then you're going home and you say, oh, I need my fourth a teaspoon of iodine today. So I don't want you to do that. You know, it is good to hold back on having too much salt, especially through your fast food and your processed food.
0: Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us coast to coast in the U.S. and in more than 150 countries. Hi to everyone listening in Covington, Kentucky, Meridian, Idaho, and Dhaka, Bangladesh. Wherever you are, we appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is episode 46 of season six, number 442 overall. And today we are going to be talking about five, one, two, three, four, five nutrients that anyone eating a plant-based diet should be on the lookout for. What they are, why they're important, and where to get them. Now, for the roomies who are new to a plant-based diet, this is going to be a huge help. And for us veteran vegans, well, you may learn a new thing or two as well along the way, or at the very least here, you're going to get some great talking points to share with your circle of friends. So here's the scoop. Research continues overwhelmingly to point to a whole food plant-based diet as being the optimal diet for your health. We're talking about one that lowers the risk of diseases that are the biggest shavers of life in our time the diseases that are literally robbing us of sometimes decades of life but if you cut meat out of your diet and you cut dairy and eggs out of your diet as well are you also cutting other nutrients out of your diet that you need to stay healthy well Not necessarily, because with any diet, there are still some things to keep an eye on. And a plant-based diet, even a whole food plant-based diet, is no exception. So dietitian Steph McBurnett is here with us today with five nutrients of note for all vegans. Are you getting enough? Well... We're about to find out. And we also opened up the dietitian's mailbag here on the Exam Room Live, took questions from the roomies who joined us on Facebook and on YouTube. We do it live every Wednesday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on YouTube and on Facebook. There's a link to both right now in the episode notes. But let's hop in and get this information. The five nutrients of note for you when you are eating a plant-based diet plus a couple of bonus ones as well. With that, we welcome to the exam room live for the very first time, my colleague, Steph McBurnett. Steph, good to see you.
1: Hi, Chuck. I love being here and, if, and I love hanging out with you. So if it takes a, you know, a podcast invite to hang out, keep sending
0: the invites (laughs) it's just how my time is structured these days but the missus and i would love to have you and yours over at some point
1: Oh yes all right
0: we'll do a vegan picnic in the backyard but let's talk about the five nutrients that every vegan should be on the lookout for i know you're coming armed with a big list what is your first nutrient to be on the lookout for
1: so the first one really is for plant-based eaters right so it's b12 and i know i'm preaching to the choir here you've heard it before so b12 is important for red blood cell formation for nerve function and production of dna so it's very important and so if you're if you're not eating plant-based you're eating animals um the animals don't just have b12s they actually it's b12 comes from a bacteria in the ground, in the soil. So when animals eat grass or wheat, or you know they're just sniffing around the ground, they are getting B12. And then if you're an omnivore, you're eating B12, um, and that's how you're getting it. But since plant-based eaters don't eat animals, we really don't have a reliable source in the diet. Um, there are fortified foods such as breakfast cereals, and, and now our plant milks have B12 in them, most of them, and nutritional yeast has some. But it's not that reliable. And so we really want to look at a supplement for um, plant based eaters. And actually, um, as a dietitian, I recommend a supplement in B12 for anyone over the age of 50 or anyone who has absorption issues or who are on certain medications, such as metformin, or there's a few others. So, uh, and that's because B12 needs um, stomach acid. To actually um, decouple from protein and be absorbed. So if you have any digestion issues, or as we age, we start, we produce less stomach acid. So I actually recommend a B12 for anyone over 50, anyone with digestion issues, and then plant-based eaters. Now, B12, um, the recommended daily amount is very small, it's about 2.4 micrograms. And so um, that's pretty easy to get. Um, And so at PCRM, we recommend a little bit more than that, about 100 micrograms a day. Or you can actually have about 500 to to 1,000 micrograms throughout the week. And that's because B12 is actually stored in your liver. And um, so any extra that you consume will get stored for later. So if you're like me and you forget to reorder your supplements and you go a few weeks, you will have some reserve in your liver. And actually, um, a lot of people who go vegan, they don't eat, they don't take any supplements for the first few years. And that's because by, uh, B12 can actually be stored in your liver for up to five years. So let's say you're kind of a new, uh, vegan. You're like, I haven't had any issues, um, with B12. Well, as you could be fine year two, year three, all of a sudden you're getting, um, maybe you're anemic and you don't know why you're having fatigue, you have muscle weakness, intestinal problems, nerve damage, or just kind of weird things happening, ringing in the ears, mood disturbances, those could actually be linked to having a low B12. So this is the one that I really say, you know, please, you know, I know you don't want to, I know we eat so healthy, we don't want to take a supplement, but I'm going to have to say B12 is definitely number one on my list.
0: B12 is numero uno, but I do know that there are actually a couple of different kinds of B12 out there. We get these questions from exam roomies all the time. Which is the one that you recommend?
1: Um, I think any B12 will work. I'm really happy with with any of them. I think as long as you're taking more than the the 2.4 micrograms or as we recommend 100 micrograms, and if you pick any multivitamin, let's say you don't wanna go and get a specific B12, you just want to grab a multivitamin? I um I looked up just a regular like a Centrum, you know, you know Centrum Silver, Centrum Adult. It has 6 micrograms of uh B12. So you're going to get over the daily amount just by taking a regular multivitamin.
0: And is there a risk with taking too much? I know that uh, this is something Dr. Barnard and I have actually spoken about on the show. It's uh, that they used to really didn't think that there was too much uh, issue if you had B12 levels that were pretty high. But then some other research came out and it was like, yeah, well, you maybe really want to try to aim for that sweet spot.
1: Yes, you can. um, You can overdo it. And they have there has been some research that shows that when you go really high in the amounts, you can get digestional issues and other issues. But uh, B12 is one of those if you're just taking a multi or a supplement, any supplement on the market, even if it's higher than what we recommend, you should be 100% fine. Um, So it's one of those you don't want to super overdose on it, like you can overdo it, but I wouldn't worry about it in that aspect.
0: Fair enough. All right. What's number two on your list of five here?
1: So number two is actually vitamin D. And this really goes out to everyone, not just plant-based eaters. This is for omnivores because 35 to 40% of U.S. adults are deficient in vitamin D. I mean, that's staggering numbers. Um, Vitamin D is really important for absorption of calcium. It regulates bone growth and it plays a role in immune function. So vitamin D, you can get it from the sun. So the UVB rays, you can get it from supplements and there is some fortified foods. So, but you really want to, I'm going to push for a supplement on this one because you want to have a consistent amount. And when we are not going outside every single day, you know, we want to protect our skin from sunburn or wearing even sunblock, you are blocking those UVB. UVB rays. And so you really want to think about, um, really getting enough. Cause it can, my sister actually is a uh, ER vet and she's very active. She has a dog. She goes out every day. Um, but she's also, she's not fully plant-based, but she's close. And she all of a sudden was having fatigue. She had muscle weakness. She just was not feeling well. She went to the doctor And she was extremely low in vitamin D. And she was one of those individuals that think that vitamins are just expensive pee, right? You just buy multivitamins and you just kind of process and pee them out. Well, that could be true for some, but for vitamin D, you really need it. She is now prescribed a very high amount. And hopefully in six weeks, her levels will be up and she'll be feeling a lot better. The daily recommended amount is... It's not super high. Um, it's the RDA is six hundred IUs. If you're older, like 70 plus, it's about eight hundred IUs. But some people actually recommend more, like a thousand or two thousand IUs a-, a day. So um if you just grab like another Centrum, that's gonna have about a thousand IUs. Um, you can get enough from being outside, but you would have to be 10 to or 15 to 30 minutes in midday sun with open arms, no sunscreen, open legs. And you'd have to do that three times a week. That can probably get you about 10,000 to 25,000 IUs a week. So that would kind of cover um, what you're trying to do. There is, and I know someone's going to ask about this. There is two types of, well, there's two types of supplements for vitamin D. D2 is plant-based. It's cheaper. And it's actually what doctors usually prescribe will be like large. If you're low, my sister got D2, like a large amount of D2. Um, and then there's D3, which is the -the over-the-counter version, which is from, um, animals wool, like wool. So it is, it does, um, it is an animal source. So you want to look for, and there are vegan sources of D3 now. And the big kind of controversy is that in the liver, vitamin D2, it is said that vitamin D2 doesn't convert as well as vitamin D3, but it does convert. And everyone's kind of different with their liver conversion. So for me, if you're taking D2, you're taking 1,000 to 2,000 IUs a day and you're taking it consistently, that's what matters. It's not really that D3 is so much better than D2. They do both work, but it's consistency that's key. And if you're deficient in vitamin D, you could you feel um, frequent illness, fatigue, and then osteoporosis because vitamin D plays such a huge role in absorbing calcium. So you want to make sure you're getting that vitamin D every day so that you're absorbing your calcium.
0: And what are some foods that naturally contain vitamin D? Um, Let's start with there, and then we'll talk about maybe some fortified options because a lot of the plant-based milks out there are also just like regular milk fortified with it.
1: Yeah, so for plant-based foods, it's not many. I think mushrooms have a little bit of vitamin D2. So you really don't want to rely on... Especially plant based sources of vitamin D. So, even if you're going out in the sun and you're having a ton of mushrooms, and even if you're adding on to that fortified plant milks, as you said, or fortified cereals actually have vitamin D as well. I just really, as a dietitian and seeing kind of how important vitamin D is, I really think that this is one that you do need to supplement. I'm not a huge supplement fan, but this is one of them. And that's why it made my top five list.
0: Question from Richard Hubbard at 1213, wondering, I assume maybe this plays to absorption and getting those levels up. He's wondering whether you need to take vitamin K2 along with the D3.
1: So that is kind of new uh, rhetoric that's out there. Um, K2 actually, or vitamin K is found in greens, leafy greens and in a lot of plant foods. So if you're eating your plant-based diet along with taking your vitamin D, you are getting K2. I don't work K, vitamin K. Now, K2, there is, it's kind of um, back and forth with some research is saying that it's great for you. you. You definitely need it. And other is saying that you get enough from plant, you get enough vitamin K from plant sources. So that one is a little bit mixed. I don't think you need to combine them to get sufficient vitamin D. That's not anything I've really heard. So I wouldn't worry too much, but I definitely would say, eat your greens, eat your leafy greens.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep, for that and so many other reasons, right? Um, what is number three on your list, Steph?
1: Okay, so on my list, number three is a little bit, uh, people might've heard about it or not, but it's iodine. So iodine is a mineral, and it's very important for thyroid function, um, making hormones T4 and T3, for protein synthesis, for our nervous system, very important for small children. And the reason I put it on this list is because it might be one that you want to supplement. So on a plant-based diet, the ways you would get iodine is through iodized salt, through sea veg- and through sea vegetables, and then supplements. So let's just say you, you're you trying to avoid salt for, for hypertension reasons, and you don't like seaweed, you're really going to um, want to supplement it. And a quick note about iodine, or iodized salt, I guess. So where did it come from? Why is some salt iodized and some not? So in the early 1920s, there was a doctor in Michigan, and they used to call Michigan, the goiter belt, because so many people had goiters. And that is from that's when your um, thyroid is inflamed, because you're not getting enough iodine. And it's right here at your neck, and it kind of puffs out and you can visibly see it. And so so many people in Michigan had goiters that they called it the goiter belt. So he realized that it was an iodine um, deficiency. So he he advocated for iodine to be put into salt. And back in the 1920s, everyone cooked at home. So everyone was using this iodized salt. The occurrence within a year, the occurrence of goiters in Michigan went from 30% to 2%. And so the following year, the whole United States uh, took on that program of iodizing salt or putting iodine in salt. And so that's where this iodized salt comes from. And um, now in recent times, people are using Himalayan salt, there um and then a lot of the processed foods that you see and in restaurants, those are not iodized. So you think, oh, I get plenty of salt because I eat I package food that has salt. I go out to restaurants, I actually have too high of salt. Well, those those salts are usually not iodized because it is cheaper to have just regular salt and not add iodine to it. So you need about 150 micrograms a day, which is is not too much. If you're pregnant or breastfeeding, that does increase to about 250 micrograms a day. And iodine is very important for a developing baby. So please, please, please look at either an iodine supplement or multivitamin or, you know, getting your iodine when you are pregnant. So for plant-based eaters, iodized salt, so about a fourth a teaspoon of iodized salt gives you 50% of of your daily, your RDA. So 50% of the 150 micrograms. And then if you have vegan sushi throughout the week, or you have some seaweed, um, uh, there is, I think it's nori, about five grams of nori will give you 80% of your daily iodine um, RDA. Now there are some, some sea vegetables that have too high. So kelp, you want to be very careful with kelp because about a tablespoon of flakes. Now this is straight kelp, right? If you have it mixed in with like a, a a seasoning or in your hemp seeds, you know, you have a little bit of kelp flakes in there. I I think that is fine to go ahead and eat. But if you're having a full tablespoon of kelp, that will give you 2000 micrograms and you will, you will over, overdo it. And that actually can cause racing heart, uh, fluttering, flushing feeling. You actually can get a goiter from too much iodine. So um, that is important to note as well but taking just again, like a normal Centrum has 150 micrograms. So if you're just taking a a multivitamin, it will have iodine in it as well. So let me see. And then other kind of symptoms, if you're feeling like you're sluggish, fatigued, tired, you have your, your hypothyroid, it might be, it could be iodine that is Uh, kind of messed up is not in the right uh, amounts for you. So just something to think about. And for plant-based eaters, I want us to be as healthy as possible. So that might be one that you want to supplement.
0: All right, a couple of uh, questions here to follow up on that. Uh, number one, you talk about a quarter of a teaspoon uh, would, would have the RDA here. Um, a lot of people love really like to eat that SOS-free diet, right? So no salt whatsoever. Um, maybe, can you talk a little bit about what the effect is with that quarter of a teaspoon, the effect that that might have on a person's risk for heart disease or high blood pressure, hypertension, things like that?
1: The highest source of sodium in an average person, so this is maybe not a plant-based person but an average person, they're getting most of their salt from packaged processed foods or restaurant fast food. That's why we see this this crazy high amount of uh, hypertension. 50% of adults in the US have hypertension. So it's it's a lot of the fast food, the processed foods. Now if you cook everything from home from from scratch from home and you have already normal, blood pressure levels, right, then adding a little bit of salt won't hurt you. And we need salt in our diet. It is an electrolyte. So adding a fourth of a teaspoon to, you know, throughout the day to to something is not going to affect you. Now, if you're someone who has chronic disease, you have hypertension and you are saying, I need to be SOS for my health. I I completely understand that. You don't have to take iodized salt. You can just take a little, little supplement of iodine. So or you could eat your sea vegetables, you just make sure you're being consistent, at least twice a week of having, you know, maybe those little sheets of nori, or having vegan sushi. So it is important to be consistent with it, you can store iodine in your thyroid. So if you go a few days, you know, a few times, if you go a few days without having the RDA, it is okay, but I just don't want you to skip a few weeks, and then all of a sudden, you're low in your iodine
0: just out of curiosity though going going back to that that quarter of a teaspoon how does that compare to what you would get say in a combo meal if you were go to the drive-through and you get like the king size or whatever the biggest combo is these days right so you're going to have a lot of salt on the fries certainly there's going to be a lot in the burger or in the chicken or whatever else you're getting with those fries how does that quarter of a teaspoon compare to that versus what you get with the meal
1: yeah. So a quarter of a teaspoon is going to be less than a gram. Right. Um, and so what these burgers at the at, at a restaurant, just one burger. And then if you add on fries, but just the burger alone will be over two two grams or 2000 milligrams, which as we may or may not know, the American Heart Association recommends 2,300 milligrams a day if you have normal blood pressure, and they recommend 1,800 milligrams a day if you have hypertension. So you're in one meal, in one burger, you're going to be popping almost over what you should have in a whole day. So um, a fourth a teaspoon is going to be less than a gram. So you you really won't have to worry unless you had that burger and then you're going home and you say, oh, I need my fourth a teaspoon of iodine today. So I don't want you to do that. You know, uh, please. It is good to 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 hold back on super of having too much salt, especially through your fast food and your processed food
0: right on. Let's do a quick exam roomie roll call. We got people tuning in right now from all over the world. Teresa says Aloha from Hawaii. Atlanta is watching us today in Germany. Uh, Janelle is in Iowa. Hello Janelle. Uh, We also have call to serve watching in Panama. We have people all over the world tuning in today. I believe we also have somebody watching from a mountaintop in Wales, which is really kind of cool. One Wales two mountaintop that may be the winner for the day. Just just amazing. Um, So we've got three out of the five out of the way right now. Steph, what is number four on your list?
1: Okay. So number four, so the top three were ones that I really want you to think about possibly supplementing. You got to find out what works for you. Now, four I put on the list because people are going to ask you about this. And I know that some people are are worried if you stop eating meat, where are you going to get your iron? So iron (laughs) is number four. Iron is super important. It binds with protein to move oxygen throughout all your muscles. So it is essential in the human diet, but I don't want you to worry. Plant-based eaters are not any more low in iron than anyone else. So iron historically is, or low iron is found equally. It's kind of like vitamin D it's equally can be low in omnivores or in plant based uh, diets. So, um, Let's see. So iron, the recommended daily amount for, of iron it for men and for women that are above menopause. So have, have are they don't menstruate anymore. Their iron actually needs are a little bit lower because when you, when you store iron, you never get rid of it unless you, you have to like bleed, right? You have to lose it through blood. So men and women over 50 or through menopause need about eight milligrams a day, which is pretty easy to get to. So and but women who are menstruating, um, so kind of those childbearing years, they need over double, they need 18 milligrams a day. Right. Um, and so that is something to think about if you are a woman just to really that is you'd need to be a little bit more mindful probably than your your spouse or, you know, the, your friend, your buddy. Um, but there is tons of iron in plant foods. So I don't want you to worry. I will talk a little bit. Let's talk about heme iron versus non heme iron. So iron that you get from meat, And uh, chicken and and any sort of uh, animal product is bound. It's called heme iron because it's bound to heme. It's bound to a protein. So when your body takes it in, it actually can't regulate it. It just kind of says, oh, okay, we're getting more. We'll just keep piling it on. We can't say no because it's attached to this thing that we, we are using. So it has a higher absorption rate, which in the past doctors had said, oh, well, that means it must be better. Well, actually, iron... Um, excessive iron is very dangerous. And actually I had a friend who she was a runner and she felt fatigued and tired and she was having um, a lot of issues and she thought she had low iron, right? Because that's kind of the symptoms of low iron is you're just feeling achy. You just feel like you're not getting good workouts in, even though you're going running, you just feel kind of tired. Well, it turned out she had, and she kept taking more iron. Well, it turned out she had extremely high levels of iron And the only way that she could get back down to normal as quickly as possible is she had to give blood every six weeks for six months. That was till she could get down into normal levels. And elevated levels of um, iron cause health risks such as metabolic syndrome, coronary heart disease, stroke, type 2 diabetes, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, arthritis, cancer. Those are all linked to too high of iron amounts. So going back to non-heme iron, going back to plant sources of iron, non-heme iron is actually regulated in our body. So as it comes in, our body goes, Oh, you know, if you're a woman, Oh, I just had my period. I just menstruated. Okay. We're iron is coming in and we're taking it because we need it. Right. And you can regulate it better. So plant-based sources of iron actually have been deemed healthier because your body can regulate them. And just to, um, to go over that so to increase so let's say you are a menstruating woman or, or you want to you know make sure your iron levels are top notch the plant foods that are very high in iron is you want to think of beans greens and whole grains now that's not the only foods there are a ton of foods that have iron um that are plant-based like oatmeal but those are kind of like the heavy hitters you could say and then if you want to even increase the absorption combining them with vitamin C, so iron and vitamin C together, that's going to boost by almost four times. So let's say you are a woman and you and you really need to kind of you're a little bit low, you need to, to really bolster it a little bit, I suggest adding some vitamin C or where's vitamin C. So it's citrus foods, it's berries, it's bell peppers, you know, raisins have uh, broccoli have vitamin C. So you want to kind of pair a little bit in the same meal. So even if you have fruit for dessert that will that will that's considered pairing um some other things so let's think breakfast so oatmeal you can pair it with berries whole grain toast which is high in iron pair it with jam for lunch let's think tofu with you know saute tofu with bell peppers or just for snack hummus with crackers maybe add orange slices that's pretty high and or oranges are high in vitamin C or even you have your whole grain pasta or your chickpea pasta, that's going to be high in iron, you know, put it with tomato sauce, which is high in vitamin C. So as you can see some of the foods that already kind of go together are that pairing of iron, iron rich foods with vitamin C. Um, let me see. And even multivitamins, the centrum, like I said, I, I looked it up that has 18 mi- uh, micrograms of iron in it. So if you are low, that is an option. Um, if you have low iron in the doctor prescribes you iron, just be cognizant that you might have to go back and reduce the amount because you don't want to have too high of iron amounts. Now, if you are a male or a woman, older woman, and you are like, I'm running low on iron, but Stephanie said that I really, it should be easy for me to reach, reach iron. You might want to talk to your doctor about where would this iron be going? Like, I always think to myself, when someone tells me I'm, I've had low iron. I go, okay. So have you had a colonoscopy recently? Have you checked your colon? do you have, are you very stressed? Do you have stomach ulcers? Are you a marathon runner? Marathon runners will actually lose blood through their feet because they run so much. So they will have lower iron because of that. So you really, or if you are a childbearing woman or you're menstruating, is your menstruation really heavy and that you're just kind of really bringing down your iron levels. So it is something to think about if you have low iron to maybe, and you know that you eat, you know, you're eating your healthy, whole food, plant-based foods and you're having your fruits like, you, like you're like you supposed to, it might be something to look into getting, um, kind of looking into it a little bit deeper to see what's going on.
0: Yeah, I like the way that you paired those foods together because I was thinking for something like this, you know, I, the, my default is always just to squeeze a little bit of lemon or an orange on top of the salad to help with that. Uh, iron absorption, but you're like, no, just pair the foods. And I'm like, son of a gun. Like, you know, that's why I love you because you come with these ideas, Steph. You just come with these ideas. I dig it a lot. Um, I got to ask you real quick before we get to the fifth and final one. Um, We've mentioned multivitamins a number of times here on the show. A lot of exam roomies are like, well, wait a minute. You know, I know that a lot of times we don't like to use supplements. So who is a candidate for needing a multivitamin here because a lot of us really do try to eat the rainbow try to get as many of our nutrients as we possibly can with the food that's on our plate
1: yes i totally understand that i don't take a multivitamin with every single vitamin under the sun i'm sure you guys all know that that average multivitamin that has a hundred things in it um but like i said i really want you to have a b12 I want you to have a vitamin D and I want you to think about iodine. And honestly, if you are someone who's not going to go out and get those three individual supplements, that's why I brought up the fact that you can as an insurance policy, you know, yes. Do you need all those extra vitamins? No, you eat plenty of fruits. You get plenty of vitamin C, you get plenty of niacin, you know, all those different things. But if you're not going to go out, I really would prefer you just to have a a small multivitamin to get those three. I mean, I don't know if, you know, I'm sure some exam rooms won't like that, but um, kind of, you have to think about what you're willing to do. Are you going to go out and have those three supplements or is it easy for you to just get a multivitamin? I will agree with all of you that just getting the individual supplement for these individual ones, you might need vitamin D, B12, iodine, Those will be that's the best route. Right. But um, some people aren't going to do that. So I try to think of everyone who comes to my door. Right. And talks to me about these. And so I just wanted to have an option for someone else. Do you My think God.
0: someone? Do you think someone who is plant-based but is eating a lot of those ultra-processed, frozen plant-based foods um, that are quick, they're convenient? Um, are they kind of at the same risk of somebody eating the standard American diet that too is relying on frozen meals, ultra-processed, grab-and-go type of deals in terms of coming up um, short and with their vitamins and nutrients that they need? Would they then? be more likely to need a little bit of supplementation
1: definitely so we have studies now that show even if it's plant-based even if it's vegan but it's junk food vegan that you are not getting all the benefits you, you're really not you are better off right because you're not getting the cholesterol and your the foods are a little bit lower in salt, and um you're not getting kind of the lactose and the hormones from the dairy right you are better off but you are leaving a lot on the table by eating processed junk food as, as a vegan or as a plant-based person, you will need, you know, you won't be getting potassium, which you find in um, vegetables, magnesium, all the fiber with different types of fibers, right? So beans and potatoes have resistant starches. Oatmeal has soluble uh, fiber and you know, those start the green leafies have the insoluble fiber, you're leaving all that on the table when you're just warming up a burrito, even you know, even if it is a, a vegan one or if it has vegan cheese, or you're just cooking up a Beyond uh, burger. Now, I'm not going to, you know, say that in a special treat that, or if you're going over to a friend's house that you're, you know, you're doing something bad by having a Beyond burger. But think about your day to day. You will. Um, Definitely. You're just leaving a lot out there. um, and a lot of those health benefits that you are thinking, Oh, I eat hundred percent plant-based or vegan. I should, I shouldn't have hypertension. Well, if you're still consuming processed food and the fast food, the vegan fast food, you're going to be consuming a lot of salt and a lot of saturated fat, even if it is from coconuts and not from lard. So you're going to, you're still going to struggle with some of those issues. So the more plants, the better.
0: All right. So we've got B12, we've got iron, we've got D, we've got iodine. That's four out of the five. What is the last one on your five nutrients that all vegans should be on the lookout for?
1: Yes. So this one um, is not so much of a concern, but it's calcium. And this is because I put this on the list again, kind of like iron. Everyone's going to look at you and say, you're not having milk, where do you get your calcium from? And, you know, I want, you know, where, how are your bone, are you going to, you know, your bones going to break and stuff like that. So I want you to have a great answer. And I will also say that studies um, of children and their nutrient profiles, they do find that all children kind of fall below the recommended daily amount for vitamin D and calcium. And vegan children can be on the lower level of that. So I definitely, if you have children, Um, who are vegan or plant-based to just make sure this is not, I'm not trying to sound the alarm. I'm just saying, be mindful. Think about, just make sure that they're having a wide variety of food and some of them are higher in calcium. So calcium is not just for strong bones. It's for your teeth. It's for blood clotting. It's for wound healing and maintaining healthy blood pressure. So you do need calcium. You need about a, a thousand, milligrams a day, or at least that's the RDA in the US. In the UK, interestingly enough, it's lower, it's around um, 500, 540 milligrams a day. So that could be another kind of reason why children are falling below the recommended daily amounts because it, it, you know, we can play around with why, you know, why is that number where it is, but it is what it is, the RDA is 1000 milligrams a day. And historically, people think of calcium with dairy, right? They think, you know, because there's calcium in cow's milk and in human milk and all milk, um, that people think that if you're not having dairy, you're not getting calcium. And actually I will say, there is a little bit of a myth bust here. Calcium, the, the amount of calcium you can absorb from dairy is actually pretty low. It's only 32%. Whereas when you look at the plant-based world calcium, which comes from beans and greens and then some fortified foods, you're getting 40 to 65% absorption. So you're getting better absorption from kind of the plant, higher calcium foods. Um, some of the heavy hitters, if you are looking to, you know, bring up your calcium numbers, um, tofu, calcium, te- calcium set tofu is 512 milligrams a cup. Like that is a lot. Collard greens are very high, um, 358 milligrams, fortified plant milk. So if you are someone who has, um, plant-based kids, um, fortified plant milk would be great to trying to make sure that they get their calcium because if they're, sometimes kids aren't eating their beans, they aren't eating their greens. It it is nice to have a fortified plant milk there to just kind of make sure it's an insurance policy for the rest of what they're eating. My kids like the ripple milk, um, which has about 440 milligrams of calcium per cup. So again, the recommended um, daily amount is about a thousand. If you're older, 50 plus, it's about 1200. So it's a little bit higher. Um, Some of the greens you can find it in is collards, broccoli, kale, mustard greens, Brussels sprouts all have very high absorption rates. Beans like black beans, navy beans, white beans. You can find it in tofu. So you have your calcium set tofu or just soybeans actually are high in calcium. And then your oatmeal and your whole grain toast with fortified milk will have a lot of calcium as well. So um, for strong bones, I know people think only like calcium equals strong bones, but I will say you need vitamin D for strong bones as well. You do need some calcium, but you also need magnesium and potassium and you need to work those muscles, too. So all those things together will really help with strong bones. You don't want to just, I know if you're older and you have osteoporosis and you think, oh, I just need to take as much calcium as possible. You have to think about what else you need to kind of build strong bones.
0: And what is the quality of the calcium that's found in dairy versus the quality of the calcium that is found in plant foods? Can you compare the two? I know you were talking about absorption just there, but just in terms of overall quality, how do they stack up?
1: Well, the quality is pretty much the same. I think that what we're what people talk about with quality is absorption. So when you're taking in this dairy, you're only, your body's only absorbing 30% of it, right? And when you're taking in plant plant-based sources, you could say plant-based sources are preferred by the body because if they're absorbing 40 to 65% absorption versus 30%. So that's kind of, and you're not getting any of the baggage that comes along with, with dairy milk, right? There's the, the lactose, the hormones, the saturated fat, um, and everything else that, and you're not getting, and you're not getting fiber, potassium, magnesium, you know, so it's a no brainer.
0: For me. Right on. um And most plant milks, are, are they just kind of by default uh, fortified with D and calcium the same way that most dairy milks are?
1: So it's not required, but yes, I would say 9 out of 10 plant milks that you're looking at at the store are fortified in D, in calcium, and in B12 now. And I think it's because they want to compete with dairy milk. And really the dairy industry just says, oh, well, we provide X amount of calcium and we provide X amount of vitamin D. And that's why, you know, children need to be consuming milk three times a day. And so a lot of the companies have said, well, we can do the same thing. We can fortify with calcium. We can fortify with vitamin T and now B12. Now, there are some brands that do not. So if you're looking at brands that are just And some people don't want kind of all the extra stuff. They just want soy and water, like soy that's been, you know, strained through water. That's not going to have vitamin C or uh, sorry, uh, vitamin D, calcium. So just check the back and you literally go down to the bottom of the label. And if it says there's any calcium or if you see like as long as it doesn't say zero on calcium and vitamin D, it's been it has been fortified.
0: All right, so there's your big five: B12, iron, D, iodine, and calcium. And I know, Steph, that we're running a little bit long, but we gotta open up the dietitian's mailbag and grab at least a couple of questions from the roomies, real quick. Are, are you still with me?
1: I'm still with you. I, I could go on and on. I had a bonus one, but if we need to do the mailbag, oh, we mail. we got
0: bonus. Can, how quickly can you get through the bonus? I mean, you can't dangle that carrot and not okay. just give the bonus. I mean, let's go.
1: Well, the bonus (laughs) one is actually protein, and the only reason I bring it up— I knew that
0: was coming. I knew that was coming
1: because one, you're going to be asked, but two, just recently, I um, was—I was with a group of plant-based educators, and we were in a class, and someone asked, "Well, do you have to combine proteins from plants to make a complete protein?" And I kind of looked over, and uh, they—some of the educators did not know, and I was sitting there like, "Oh, I got it. Can I answer? Can I answer? Can I answer?" And the answer is all plant foods, even raspberries, because I looked it up today, have all nine essential, essential amino acids. So there is no more incomplete or complete. We have debunked that myth. And I just realized when I was in this class how how it wasn't out there. I thought it was very common knowledge, but it is not. So I just want to put that to bed. Um, what? But I also know I was searching on, online today, and it is everywhere, People, like, influencers and random blogs, they're still saying this incomplete and complete. And that is completely false. I, you know, I saw the research today, I saw literally, you know, the raspberry has all nine, but in very small amounts. So that's kind of the difference is what we're seeing is beans are lower in the sulfur containing um, uh, essential amino acids. Um, Whereas dairy, let's say dairy protein has has high amounts of all of them. And kind of going back, to kind of start off is protein is 20 amino acids. 11 of them our body makes, nine of them we have to consume through eating. So it used to be thought that animal protein was superior because it had all nine essential amino acids. And so it was a complete protein. Well, now we know that all plant foods from beans, whole grains, breads, uh, raspberries, they all, and vegetables, they all have all nine just in varying amounts right? So your beans might be low in the sulfur containing amino acids, like methionine and cysteine, and your whole grains may be low in liacine. But if you eat enough, like, let's say you were only eating that one amount, I'm only eating beans, right? And so you would think, oh, well, Stephanie will be low in methionine. Well, I have to eat a certain amount of calories to maintain my weight. And if I were to only eat beans to maintain that weight, I would get eventually get enough methionine. Right. And that's not really how we eat either. We eat oatmeal with soy milk. We eat beans and rice. We eat whole grain quinoa with adding raisins and cucumbers and everything. So I just wanted to use this platform to kind of put all those kind of thoughts to bed that if you're eating a wide variety of plant foods, you should have no problem I mean you're even if you just ate beans all day you would get 100% of your essential amino acid needs. There you go.
0: Myth-busting with a bonus. I like that. Get it off your chest, girl. You'll feel better. I I, I know. Get it out there. That's cool. cool. We want you to be able to sleep well at night. I want to say hi to uh, Marilyn, who says uh, she loves the program. Anton agrees. Thank you guys so very much for tuning in. Appreciate that. Here's another global check-in. Coco Kana is watching right now in Tokyo. Says that they always get their iodine from seaweed. So that's pretty cool. And uh, Steph, I got to tell you, Barb who's watching right now on YouTube is fired up that she's getting some iron from her oatmeal. She says, cool, I eat an orange with my oatmeal every single morning, which is fantastic. Now let's go ahead and open up the doctor's uh, dietitian's mailbag this week, I should say, and grab a question about oatmeal from Philomena, who says, recently two people, not one, but two people have told me that they heard oatmeal is bad for you. Is there any truth to that? Have you seen anything about this?
1: Honestly, that is something I have not heard. Oatmeal has always been pretty high, even for people who are not plant-based. Oatmeal has uh, actually reduced, because of the insoluble and soluble fiber and the resistant starch, it's super good for you. It lowers, it has been shown to lower cholesterol. It's filling. I'm not sure where that came from. Maybe they're talking about, maybe it has some, gluten in it because it was I'm not quite sure where that would come from Uh, or if it's not organic you know of course there's always that tension between if oats are organic or not and how much better they are I think any oats are better than none but if you can afford organic it's always great to kind of vote for less pesticides with your pocketbook so um no, I actually haven't heard that. I am so sorry. I'm going to have to look that up after the show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, Debra is excited that you're back on the program. Um, you were talking about tofu being a great source of calcium. Um, they are wondering, calling back to the first time you were on it, as far as like five ways to get meat out of your diet. Uh, they want to know, because uh, you were talking about tofu dogs, what are some of the ones that you enjoy the most, and where do do you find them
1: the ones I use because when I do buy tofu dogs it's usually for my kids um they they still kind of love that original look of a hot dog so I've smart dogs is a tofu dog that we buy at the local grocery store right now it's not going to have cholesterol it's going to be lower in saturated fat but remember there's no fiber in there so um the healthiest Hot dog replacement is actually a carrot dog, which tastes pretty good. Once you add all the fixings on top, you can't even tell that it's a carrot. Um, and I know Chuck has talked about carrot dogs a lot on this program. But um, yes, hot dogs or real hot dogs are, I mean, it's, those are really bad for your health. Uh, the just being a processed food, if you could have a more, that is like the most processed meat that you can get. So I please recommend any way you can stay away from that, please do. So the smart dogs at the local Safeway is what I use.
0: The smart dogs, right? You want to be a smart dog, just like the tofu dogs.
1: Yeah, they have great, great labeling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's share a couple of quick health successes here. Before we wrap up today, I want to say uh, congrats to Ada, who's watching right now in Montreal, says, love your show. Glad to be catching you live. Been vegan for a few years and I can't see any other way. It is the best. She says, I'm 40 and healthy and definitely a happy herbivore now not to be outdone here comes rich s i'm 72 i'm a bodybuilder i put on plenty of muscle and get all the protein i need through my diet i do take b12 d3 zinc and some iron as well as vitamin c and iron dine vegan for five years with three count them three big bulging biceps so rich s 72 and a bodybuilder and vegan my friends that that is what we call goals 72 yeah, body rich my man you're gonna have to expand on that man because that's whoo you got me thinking how about long the future you in the
1: gym is my question yeah, how many rich, hours at the gym does that take
0: yeah are you lifting <laughs> heavy or are you lifting for tone what are you doing rich fill us in buddy <laughs> um let's see here and let's get one more question in here really quickly richard says can't wait to see the exam room live in new york city rich Hubbard dude can't wait to see you too that's happening on July 12th at the Museum of the City of New York Dr. Neil Barnard is going to be there with me along with Rip Esselstyn Mr. Plantstrong he's going to be there and Dr. Robert Osfeld tickets are on sale now pcrm.org slash events or click that link that is in the show description right now would love to see you there we sold out LA New York probably going to sell out as well so lock your seats in today July 12th New York City at the Museum of of the city of New York big night all about heart health and you and lowering your risk of the leading cause of death in the United States you know it amazes me Steph that 80 percent of heart disease cases are preventable and yet it is the number one cause of death in the United States by a wide margin
1: it's insane and it's crazy that you can do I mean I would say simple changes to your diet to kind of bring down those, those numbers. So it's just, it's pretty wild, but it's, but you know what, the information's getting out there. I'm getting excited. I think the American Heart Association is really getting on board with, you know, lowering saturated fat from these very, you know, these animal products. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking positively. All right. I like I
0: like the optimism. I think, I think we are too. I think at some point we're going to just reach that breaking point where people are going to wake up and be like, the way that we're going just is not sustainable for so many different reasons. Our health being chief among that. And so we just need to do things differently. And if you go in this direction, the plant-based direction, I'm telling you, uh, from my personal experience, can't speak for anybody else, but i know that there were a lot of great stories that were shared in the chat today but this is the way to go i've never been healthier never been happier and uh just as a guy who still wakes up every morning who used to weigh 420 pounds always thought even after he lost the weight he put it back on To now be eating this way, to be living this lifestyle, man, it just makes, it just makes a world of difference. And I hope that we all find our way there. And that's why we do the show, Steph. That's why we do the show and why we do the work that we do so we can help people in this healthier direction. Last question comes to us from, let's see, don't worry, be happy. I like I like that name a lot. Uh, We've been talking a lot about supplements. This one comes up from time to time as well when we're talking about omegas, right, in the diet, those healthy fats. Should we be taking an omega 3 supplement? When and how will we know if we do need
1: one? Oh my gosh, Chuck, this was my bonus number two. (laughs) (laughs) And I knew, I knew it would come up because this is a little bit of a hot topic and our body does need omega-3s for cell membranes, providing energy and signaling Um, our body's cardiovascular pulmonary immune systems, all kind of use omega-3s. The RDA for omega-3s is actually very low. It's 1.1 gram for females, um, for adult females and 1.6 grams for males. Now, if you're plant-based and you say, well, you know, I don't, I want to take less supplements. I, I you know, I, I get everything I need from food. So that is true. Um, you can do that with omega-3s. So omega-3s are ALAs, which I'm sure everyone has kind of heard these D, DHA and EPA, right? So DHA and EPA, you can get from historically from fish, but fish get it from algae. So you can get algae supplements of the EPA and Uh, DHA, right? But if you wanted to go kind of more whole foods, um, chia seeds, flax seeds, and walnuts and nuts and seeds have ALA that then gets converted in in the liver to EPA and DHA. Now, there is some controversy, or not controversy, there is some research out there that shows that the conversion rate of ALA to DHA and EPA is kind of, you know, it's it's hit or miss with each person, right? Each person, some people can convert it very well and some people cannot. So you can kind of decide for yourself um, if you, first of all, do you need to supplement omega-3? I do not think you need to, right? If, you know, as long as you're eating a wide variety, because there's omega-3s actually in fruits and vegetables. So you you really, as long as you're eating, you know, edamame, kale, kidney beans, they all have omega-3s as well. So I don't think you need to supplement. But if you are someone who you really want to be on top of it because you've heard that it's great for brain health, it's great for Alzheimer's, So but you don't want to supplement with the algae version of omega-3s, just one tablespoon of chia seeds gives you 2.5 grams. So remember, males needed 1.6 grams. So it's already over the amount of the adequate intake that the government puts out that, um, National Institute of Health put out one tablespoon of flaxseed gives you 2.3 grams. One tablespoon of walnuts gives you 1.44 grams. So really, as long as you have, you know, your, you know, have an almond, you know, have almonds with your oatmeal or have some flaxseed on top of your oatmeal. Cause flaxseeds are also really good for breast cancer, um, reduction. And really they have great, uh, chia seeds are high in, uh, protein as well. So these are all really healthy foods already. So if you are kind of like, oh, do I need to take omega three? Well, you can find food sources that will convert to uh, DHA and EPA. Now you can check this at the, you know, at the doctors, you can ask them, say, hey, can you check my blood for omega three levels? And if they come back and say, you're fine with whatever you're eating right now, if you're not supplementing and you're having flax every day, you're fine. You're good. Now, if it comes back and says, OK, you're a little low, then maybe you either try to bring in these, you know, chia seeds, flax seeds, walnuts, or just kind of eat more of edamame, kale, just eat your fresh foods. You can do that, too. Or if you want to supplement with an algae based uh, 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 like oil, algae oil, I will say that fish oil pills do have some negative research linked to prostate cancer. So, um, that's what I'm saying. Like sometimes omega-3s, the research is kind of mixed. Like sometimes it shows negative, um, outcomes and sometimes positive, but it's the fish oil is, is linked to the prostate cancer. So, or increase in prostate cancer incidence. So anyway, sorry. Yeah, that was my, that was a bonus one.
0: (laughs) You came to play today, my friend, you just got all the answers, man. I was digging that. And that was a question off of the top, man. That was, that was fantastic. Now here's the deal. I was going to go right to the close to be perfectly honest with you, but we got an answer from rich about the workout. So get okay. your notepads out, right? Shout out sag after get your notepads out and take these notes. This is how you can be a bodybuilder at 72. Rich says I work out only three times a week for about an hour plus 25 minutes on the stairmaster at an intensity of eight. He says I eat correctly on the days that I don't work out as well. And I go for hikes. He says it doesn't take that long to build up muscle and keep your muscle but you just have to do it. So there it is. It boils down to really easy things and just doing them. Rich at 72 is a prime example. Rich, hashtag goals. My friend, this next sip of Joe is for you. My friend, that is fantastic. And Steph, you have been fantastic today. Thank you so very much for being here.
1: No, thank you. I have, I had so much fun. You know, I love talking. So anytime, Chuck.
0: (laughs) I got you. Let's go ahead and look at some statistics here. I went ahead and pulled some data for everyone in the United States, regardless of what diet they're eating, and the prevalence of vitamin and nutrient deficiencies. And this data comes to us from a 2017 study that was published in the journal Nutrients. And what these researchers found is that 31%, so nearly one out of every three people in the entire U.S. population, was at risk of having at least one vitamin deficiency or anemia. Remember, Steph was talking about anemia a little bit here during the show today as well. So one out of three, that's both children and adults. But then when you drill down into the data, you break it down even further and you look at the various groups, you see some that are at an even higher risk of coming up short with at least one vitamin here. You've got women, 37% that's well over the 31% for the general population. And the highest deficiency risk among women is the 19 to 50-year-old age group. 41% of women in that age span are at risk of having a deficiency of one vitamin or anemia. Also, those who are pregnant or breastfeeding, then 47%. Have at least one vitamin deficiency or anemia, the risk for having that. So that's nearly half of all women who are breastfeeding or pregnant, according to this particular study. But beyond that, then you look at individuals who are of lesser means. They come from low income households. 40% of people living in low income households are at risk. People who do not have a high school diploma, 42%. The same 42% goes for people who are actually underweight. They're a little bit too thin. But then on the opposite end of that scale, you have people who have obesity, and 39% are at risk of having at least one vitamin deficiency or anemia. 39%. That's nearly four out of every 10. And you think, how is that possible if a person is eating more than they should? Their caloric intake is higher, so naturally, shouldn't they be getting all of the vitamins and nutrients? No. I was in that camp. It goes to that saying, overfed and undernourished. You can have all of the fat and calories in the world, but that doesn't mean that you're getting all of the vitamin K that you need or vitamin C or D or calcium. You can still come up well, well, well short, even if you're like I was and eating a 10,000 calorie diet every single day. Man, 10,000 calories. I'm telling you, I did not believe that I was going to live to see 30 years old. I thought that I was on the heart attack superhighway, my friends. Just that accelerated plan for heart disease, which just runs rampant in my family and that's why i'm really excited like so many other families i'm like we are not the exception here heart disease the number one cause of death as we were talking about with steph here on the show today so don't forget july 12th the exam roomies in new york city the big exam room live and in person dr barnard will be there rip esselston from plant strong dr robert osfeld all of us getting together for the most heart healthy night of your life on july 12th in new york city pcrm.org events to reserve your seats today or click that link in the episode notes also if you are in the washington dc area i'm going to be speaking briefly at planet bethesda on june 9th a big plant-based festival as we learned a plant-based festival for people who are not plant-based. So that's coming up on June 9th, planetbethesda.com for all the details. The Barnard Medical Center is powering this episode of the Exam Room podcast. Their doctors and dietitians practice lifestyle medicine and promote plant-based nutrition with in-person visits in their Washington, D.C. office and telemedicine appointments in 18 states. Visit barnardmedical.org or call 202-527-7500 to learn more. That's barnardmedical.org or call 202-527-7500. And for today, that is going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you one more time to registered dietitian and close personal friend, Steph McBurnett, for being here, raising our health IQs and dropping a whole lot of nutrition knowledge on us today. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based.